0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Noisy Women the podcast. I recorded the introduction to this episode straight after I recorded the episode with Danny, but so much has happened this week, and I want the podcast to be a space where everyone can escape social media and escape the news and kind of just get away from some of the horrific facts and figures that are flying around, which I think are making everybody feel very overwhelmed at the moment. I do really hope that everybody is holding out okay and is looking after themselves. And I'm personally feeling a little bit just down and a little bit overwhelmed. If anyone needs to chat, feel free to drop me a line. My DMs are always open to have a chat. Just take it easy. And I'm also trying to live by my own advice now moving into a slightly lighter note i'm really excited for you to hear this episode that i recorded with danny danny Bennett sprague is an incredible recording engineer and mixer she's based in london and i've known danny for a couple of years now we first recorded a video together back in 2019 for my old video series a conversation with which has then become this podcast. Danny has worked with some really, really incredible artists and she recounts some really fun tales within this episode. She's worked with Palace, The Amazons, Emily Sandé, Circle Waves, Noel Gallagher, Tom Grannon. She's also worked with Falls, Twin Atlantic. The list is endless. The coolest thing that she's probably worked on recently was some tracks that the Rolling Stones put out last year. The story she tells of mixing those tracks together this time last year is a true delight and I'm so excited for you all to hear it. Danny's drive and passion is just second to none. She absolutely loves the industry, she loves what she does and she's so good at it. And if you've never heard of her before, I really recommend giving her a follow and just seeing what she does from behind the scenes and just keeping an eye on her because I think it's really cool when you stumble upon someone like this within the industry because I would have no idea what her job role was unless I knew her. I've done enough rambling in this episode. I really hope you enjoy it. Please, as always, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and follow and all that jazz. Share with your friends. It'd mean a world to kind of build this community even more. And I will see you guys next week. Handing over to Danny Sprague. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Noisy Women, the podcast. I'm here with Danny Bennett Sprague, who is a recording engineer and mixer. She's done a bunch of really, really cool things. And we had a chat. A couple of years ago it never went anywhere so it's just sat on my very old hard drive it was a very similar kind of conversation to what this will be but i'm looking forward to seeing how it's kind of changed in the two years because two years is quite a long time how are you how how are things for you
1: i'm good two years is quite a long time actually yeah like in in I i feel like my career is only probably like six years old yeah five and a half six years um, so yeah, two years is like a solid chunk. I feel like a lot's changed. It's
0: really weird. I think we first had that intro chat and I think both of us, you had already done a bunch of stuff. I was very much like, I've done a few things, but I want to be doing loads more things, but didn't really know how yeah. to do anything. It was kind of like at the beginning of reaching out to people and I think I've definitely come on a lot since those two years and I've done a lot more since that two years happened so it's going to be I think it'll be interesting to hear like the, the growth yeah the gro- maybe one time we'll release the original recording it's on literally on my hard drive. I still have it never lost yeah just amongst some stuff so how did you get into your specific job role how did that that journey start
1: I kind of fell into it a little bit I don't think it was ever a plan I always kind of knew I wanted to be in music so was sort of looking, looking for roots in. But I think initially more on the musician side and I was considering being a drummer, but I just didn't really have any friends who played anything. Didn't have any friends in bands. It was like, went to like a, a girl's school in West London. It was just like not, I was just yeah being a drummer felt like the most like far-fetched stupid idea and then I kind of had the realization that studio stuff might be a thing might be like a possibility he didn't really know anything about it and then kind of by chance my dad he works in film and he was working with this director who was next door neighbors to a producer called Flood and my dad was like talking about the fact that I maybe wanted to get into music and this guy was like oh she she should she should just send Flood a, a an email just like asking for some advice or whatever so he he passed on flood's email address and I sent him a message just kind of I can't remember what I said but it was probably just something really rubbish along the lines of like can I have some work experience
0: you should definitely try and dig out that email I think that would be priceless now
1: I'm sure it's I'm actually sure it's pretty easy to find but it's probably really lame and like really formal and like dear flood and his like I mean it's always weird addressing someone who has like a pseudonym like yeah, Mr. Ellis, but his name is Flood. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's probably a terrible email. I don't think I want to read it again. <laughs> but yeah, sent him, sent him this message. I didn't really know anything about him, and then he replied, like, really like six months later or something. Something, something obscene that I was like, oh, I'm never gonna hear from that guy ever again. But then his reply popped up, and I was like, oh, I, I, I feel like I would completely forgotten about it. By the time he actually replied, he was really friendly, and he was like, sure, why not come, come to the studio for a week. And just like sit in on a on a session, see how it all works. So I did that. I went in and did a week in his studio in Wilsdon working with this band. Do you remember that band, Wolfgang? Yeah, I remember them. The main guy from that is still a is still like a, a really successful songwriter. But it was their it was their second album that Flood was doing. So I went in and did a week of like making tea for that for that session, and just had like the best time had no idea what was going on in the in the studio like I genuinely like not clue so yeah just like made tea kind of like met all the other engineers and then gradually like went back to that studio every every now and again for like a a week more of work experience with like another producer or another session like a bunch of time passed and I faffed around doing some other stuff but then eventually came back to a salt and battery that studio and um and never left kind of got like a got a full-time assistant job so yeah I feel like it wasn't really until the first week in the student even even maybe after that 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 I was like this is what I want to do it was sort of kind of a happy accident the fact just the, the fact that I got flood's contact
0: yeah yeah completely because that could have you could have gone the complete other way and you just could never have heard from him again
1: and who knows where where I would be on oh, no, like genuinely not a clue I think I definitely would have pursued it, but getting the opportunity to get like I think that's the hardest bit about starting out in this industry is just is just someone actually letting you in their studio. <laughs> just like getting 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 your initial foot in the door is so tough. It's just like so competitive. If you don't have someone who who'll just give you like. A little window.
0: It's almost knowing that there's a contact and not being afraid that no matter how you kind of stumbled upon this email address yeah. just to have the guts to be like, Look, I'm just gonna send anyway. They might not even reply, but at least at least I tried.
1: I'm gonna find the email
0: oh please
1: i'm gonna see what i said
0: it's really interesting though i think that because you you've had such a varied career as well and the fact that you had no previous i'm guessing you had no previous experience at all you just kind of were like this is fun
1: yeah none so like okay right His that really wasn't very hard so this is like the email from this guy director who who was flood's neighbor i i'd forgotten that he actually wrote this but he did like a really nice intro so he's like, I promised I'd forward this email from Danny. She's, she's, she's like a young, resourceful, blah, 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 This is 2000, oh God, 2013. <laughs> Lord. Oh, wow. Oh, that's hideous. Eight years. Eight years ago. Sweet Jesus. And then, oh Lord, my email team's actually quite long. I am writing to inquire about possibly securing a short period of work experience with you this summer. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> oh God. I'm just like I just say like I'm incredibly keen to work in the music industry also at this point I was planning to go to university to study it
0: Oh okay so you had you kind of had the plans to make it make the leap anyway it was just you can't be a university step out almost
1: I'm so lame God I hate it oh my god this is horrible how did I ever get a job I'm like I like tell him that I really like some records that he's worked on
0: Oh that's kind of sweet Horrible! Oh, oh, oh horrible!
1: <laughs> oh, God! Oh, I attached a CV. How old were you
0: when you? How old were you when you sent the email?
1: I was in my last year of school, so I was seventeen. Okay. I sent my my CV. That's like, I got some A's in my GCSEs. <laughs> Big whoop. <work. laughs> like literally, I'm like, oh, I can use Excel. <laughs> Lord, oh God, this is terrible. But it just
0: shows, though, that like, looking back, it was terrible. And he obviously was an adult, so he, he read it and was really like, interesting.
1: <laughs> I can't believe he replied, to be honest. Oh, I, I said at the end of the email, I said, I'm very happy to make the tea and get the bacon sandwiches.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: Which is important. And yeah, he, he eventually replies, um, probably, do you know what? I, I'm gonna say he probably only replied uh, because like his director friend hassled him. Yeah. Or something, I'm sure he was like, oh, did you ever reply to that girl, Danny?" And he was like, no. Yeah, he took, okay, I was extreme. He took two months to reply.
0: That's still, that's still eight weeks.
1: I think he was off for the summer.
0: And for a 17-year-old who is a little bit like, oh, I'm sending this email, I don't know whether I should send it. Yeah. Two weeks, two months for someone not to reply is quite a long time. (laughs) You'd be panicking.
1: It's quite just like, that's never going to happen. I'd probably like, I'd probably not stress, but I'd probably be like, he's not going to apply for maybe like two weeks. And then I'd forget about it and, and be like, sure, I'll just email 50 more people.
0: Where were you going to go for uni if you had gone?
1: I was going to go to Lippa. Oh, OK. Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts. Yeah, to do sound technology. And I didn't get in. <laughs> I didn't get in the first, that, that year when I applied while I was still at school. I didn't get in. Oh. Which is valid because I was a fool. But then I reapplied the second year, and I, did, and, I, and I did get in, but I had a job already, so I didn't go.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I, think, I think that just shows, though, that university isn't the path for everyone, and that...
1: It definitely doesn't happen. It
0: probably all... Looking back now, it probably... It's definitely all happened for a reason, which is really interesting.
1: Yeah, it would be a super different story if I'd gone to university. Like, I would have graduated... Like, by the time I would have graduated, I'd already left my first studio job and become the in-house at a different studio. I think, yeah, like, if I'd come out of university and just had to go through the same the same process of, like, trying to get your foot back in the door, like, just, try, just like, trying to let anyone let you in a studio. Yeah, At least, like, for the studio side of stuff, university is, like, quite often not that applicable. Like, if you can get in a studio, I think you'll learn more, and the practical skills are just, like, you can't get them anywhere else but if you're going to go into like post-production or like live sound I think it's different I think a course is is not is not a bad thing because especially like if you if you end up going to university
0: yeah completely
1: like especially on a course like lipper I remember people talking about like the the main thing about it was like working with everyone else on the different courses like if you wanted to go into theatre sound then you'd like you know you'd you'd work with everyone on the theatre course and get loads of experience doing that like it, but to actually like get an assistant job in a studio you can't do that while at uni so
0: yeah completely you you ended up having way more experience by learning from complete kind of scratch from people who were really well respected in the industry right. and have ended up in a better position than a lot of people would have done who came to uni because you didn't have to do that stuff from scratch as soon as you graduate and I think that's the that's the I've spoken to so many people about this I think that's the full like the issue that most people come into when they go to uni is they don't build any external like contacts or or clients or anything whilst they're studying and their whole life is in their uni bubble and then when they leave they're like oh I don't I don't know anyone I haven't done nothing." but I think it depends on how you play the uni game. If you're quite proactive, like I was and a lot of my friends were, and making sure that you're doing things in industry whilst you're studying, I think that's the best position to be in. So if anyone's listening and is in that position, make sure you do that. Don't just get absorbed into uni life because you'll come out and have to start from scratch again.
1: Yeah, and if if you're not in a big city like London, it potentially is, like, the perfect way in. Yeah. Like, be on a course with all these musicians and you get to record them and blah, blah. But, yeah, if you... If you're in if you're in a city like London or Manchester or you know like a big a, a kind of music hub, yeah, if you can if you can find your way in. But it is just it's it's a bit of a game of chance. Yeah,
0: completely. It's and it's it's having as an eighteen year old or seventeen year old the confidence to be like, I can do that. Which I don't yeah. think everyone has.
1: I don't even I had that necessarily. I think my dad was probably just like, You need to email this guy, like, come on. Yeah. And and I was like, yeah. But I think I I had some naivety as well I think if I, I I think if I'd like Been really invested in Like studio work Is definitely what I want to do I might have I might have thought twice about About being like Writing this like blazing email And being like Let me in your studio But yeah I definitely think I had some like Kind of Like innocent naivety That was just like I wonder what it's like in there Yeah Which probably helps looking back Like it just means you don't Yeah you're not You're not You don't like overthink stuff And you're just like just want to just want to be letting them make the tea
0: yeah and I think that's the way to start that's such a good way in I think innocent naivety is not necessarily a bad thing <laughs> I, I I feel yeah. like I've definitely done the same before and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing yeah for sure so a little little side question so you've obviously worked on a bunch of projects kind of over the last what were we saying eight eight years six years
1: that's not say eight yeah. years. I'm going to say my first full-time studio job I started in 2015. Yeah, so about six years. Let's say six years.
0: What's been your favourite project to work on?
1: I've got a few. I'm going to say, yeah, I've got a few for like a couple of different reasons. And also quite often it's like the most recent thing you've you've done because it's like...
0: Yeah, completely. It's
1: like a fresh memory. But the first album I ever worked on is still like has a special place in my heart because I had no idea what I was doing and it was just, it was fun. It was just like... The first like full length kind of start to finish album, which which I did with Flood at Assault and Battery, with quite a big team of people, which is also quite like it it we did it in quite an old an old school way, like the process was quite long. We were sort of like in and out of the main studio at Salt and Battery a lot. And then I was one of two assistants on it. And there was also an engineer. I think there were two engineers, two assistants, Flood producing it. The artist, who was this guy called Ed Harcourt and a bunch of musicians floating around. But it's like that that record never got, it, it hasn't been heard nearly as much as it sh- as it should have been. It's still like, I still listen to it now and I'm like, it sounds ridiculous. And I think I was so young that I wasn't, I was paying attention to I, I think it's about kind of the first three years of my studio life that I was like more focused on the broad sort of like this is how studio life works like learning learning the technical stuff or like try, trying to get my head around the technical stuff rather than sort of picking up like tips and tricks from people and that, I like even I listen to that record now and I'm like I have no idea what flood did to that. Did to that like sense or whatever? I'm like, and I and I wish I did. Like I, I, am like, I was in the room. Like, why don't I know this? <laughs> and it's really frustrating, but it's also like a really, it's still really fun to listen to because I, am like, oh yeah, like you know, I remember when that was. Yeah. When I like, I remember when this little bit was added, like right at the end of the session, it like changed the whole song. So that, yeah, that that record partly because I think it's, a, I think it's a really really great album, but it, it was my first, my first sort of start to finish project and then more recently milena zavala's second album uh that i worked on last year no oh my god the year before
0: time is flying way too fast
1: yeah in 2019 we did that at a studio called urchin uh in london fields and i engineered it she she self-produced and she's she's just the best she's just so good she's such a good songwriter she's such a good producer and she has like I've never I've never been around an artist who is so confident in their own ideas. And but she's like, yeah, like I don't really understand how she has this. How, how like she's she's a couple years older than me. She's like 26, 27. But she has this like wisdom of a of a much like older, sort of like secure in her in her artist personas. But she's yeah, she's I, it, she was just really fun to watch work. Like it was a really collaborative project. I think for most of it. It was me, it was just me and her and her drummer, this guy called Joe Taylor, who's super great, such a good drummer. And it was, we're all, we're all like, we're, we're all in our 20s and particularly on, on the first couple of weeks, it was like these three kids had been like let loose. And it was like, we'd just been like given the studio keys and just like have fun. <laughs> um, it, was just, it was just really fun. We had like a couple of super eight cameras that we were like documenting it on. It just felt really, it didn't feel like work it was just really- that's the best kind of job yeah, didn't feel like work and now and and i listen to that record now and it it i didn't mix it a guy called gareth jones mixed it but it it sounds really great it sounds really fun like you can hear the fun that we had it's just like it yeah it's just it's it's a nice record
0: i think that i think that records that that as the listener you can hear like the perhaps the joy that's gone into making it that just makes it even more special and i think yeah. if you can listen back and be like we had so much fun making this, and as a listener, you can tell. I think it Yeah, that's even worse. That's even better.
1: So yeah, that she, yeah, she, she's, she's, she's one of my favourite songwriters. But that's 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 out of the last year and a half or so um, of stuff that's come out that I've worked on. That's probably up there. Yeah.
0: Solid solid top two. What does a day-to-day in your life look like? For someone who has no idea what you do,
1: Yeah. what does a day-to-day look like? It changes quite a lot. Changes if, if whether you're recording or mixing or whatever, but for the last year, it hasn't changed very much because you can't see anyone. <laughs> um, so it, at least for the last like, year and a half, I've been working really closely with a producer called, producer-mixer called Craig Sylvie at his studio, which is here. Uh, which is in like Kensaltown, um, West London. And we, mm. it would be different in a non-Covid world, but for, for the last year or so, we've been pretty much solely mixing and it's all been unattended. So we haven't really seen anyone for like at all. I think I think only, a, only like a couple of months ago, did we have our, not a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago did we have our first Artist in for for eight months or something.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it was it was was actually so nice to see like a new face. Mm -hmm. But a day to day here with him is kind of I'm sort of his his like right hand person. I'm sort of like his like work support system. And yeah, we we usually we usually work on like a track a day. So yeah, specifically when when. When we're working together, I'll kind of get in, set, the, set a track up, get it ready to go. We work on a, like, 40, I want to say 48 channel, but that might be a lie. 40 channel? Desk that Craig mixes through. So I'll, like, set the track up, put it out of the desk, like, kind of set it up in a way that I know that he likes to work. Like, I've, I've been working with him for, for almost 18 months now, so I kind of know... I know his process really well and I know what he likes. So when I listen to a track, I can kind of, I'll, I'll have an idea of what he wants to do to it. So I like set it up, get it to a place that that gives him like a good starting point. He'll come in, mix most of it, and then we'll like send it off to the artist, get approvals, get notes, do a bunch of tweaks. And then I finish off the process and like, I print stems, this thing, this thing called stems, which is like essentially taking it back off all the analog gear, putting it back into the computer so that everything is like printed and saved. So it all sounds the same. And then we do it again, day in, day out. It's like, we do a track a day, pretty much. But then if you're, if, if, if I'm on a recording session, it's like a whole different story. And as an engineer, which is like predominantly what I am now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a producer. Don't know if I ever will be. Yeah, as an engineer, your job on a tr- on a on a on a tracking session is if you have the luxury of having an assistant, get in early, give the assistant your setup list, your mic list, and like I've, I've, all the your your list of inputs and everything you want plugged in, and then you'll kind of work with them and like set everything up in the way that you want it. And your your I mean, weird question because it varies so much, but you're essentially the facilitator for the artist. So yeah. like, you have just gotta. You need to realize their dreams
0: yeah and figure out a way of making it come to life
1: yeah for lack of a less lame way of saying it but um yeah it's true though yeah you're you're kind of the you're like the bridge between the artist and their weird way of communicating what they want to translating it into 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 sound
0: you're an incredibly important part of the music making process like it has to sound you're like literally the second pair of ears i guess and the second brain to the artist to ensure that whatever they want sounds the way that they want the listener to hear it so you're like you're so important to the process
1: yeah and it, if 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 for example like with milena on that on her last record she's very like studio savvy like she know she she did her entire first record by herself in like her shed at the bottom of a garden that kind of classic like first album and she only really needed me on the second record because she hadn't really been in like a, a big studio before so I was kind of there as like moral support more than like a a traditional engineer I was sort of like it was more of like an exchange of knowledge sort so of like this is how you work in like a professional studio or whatever like I just I was sort of translating her DIY skills into like this is what you would do in like a in a in a in a real studio environment, but then you also get artists who and she she's like she's very she knows exactly what she wants and she's very like clear when she when she has an idea she she kind of she kind of knows how how to communicate it. But you get plenty of artists who like use the most ridiculous descriptive terms to try and talk about what that what they want something to sound like. You have to just like try and, di- and try try and like find a way to translate what they're talking about. And yeah, like it interpret yeah yeah you're essentially like a like a a a creative translator and like people management is such a big part of it as well like you really need to learn I mean I don't even think it's necessarily a skill that can be learned like knowing how to knowing how to read a room and sort of like yeah completely knowing the right balance of of being the artist's friend versus like giving them a lot of creative space like it's a really especially as an assistant when you're when you're starting out you really have to know when to and you know when your opinion or whatever is is wanted that can like with some artists that can really throw them off if you're like if you're like this extra presence in the room like a lot of artists are very sensitive to to people they don't know or like you know new environments and I think yeah particularly for like vocals or something that the people, are, people are very um, particular about how, about how they wanna record them and like any, any extra people that they like don't necessarily know that well or that they like, you know, if they don't need to be in the room, they might as well not be in the room. So you definitely do have to know, you, you, you need to know how to be like a fly on the wall and just kind of like stay out of the way. Yeah, and completely. Dive in when people need you and then dive straight out again.
0: Yeah, it's just about, I think, learning, being around people enough to learn. It's also mannerisms, but I don't think think you can be taught that. I think it's just more of an instinct thing. And I think the more people you meet, and I don't know if you'd agree, the more people you meet, the more you can kind of gauge whether they'd suit that kind of scenario and the yeah. more people i've met within this i've realized that we're all very similar types of people but then i meet people outside of this weird hub of the world and i'm like ah i see why you're not in this world because you're not quite the right person
1: yeah 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 i think i'd agree with that i think it, it's quite i i find it quite sad when you when when uh, uh, when you're like yeah I don't know if we get if we get like a like a like an intern or a work experience person in for a week and you can tell that they just don't they don't quite have that like natural natural instinct and I'm like you just yeah. don't have it. <laughs> and it's tough because it's kind it's really hard it's it's kind of like a a fundamental personality issue that you're probably it's like you're probably not going to get that far in this industry because if you're not the easiest person to be around. Yeah. People aren't going to want you on a session. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite it's quite sad when you see people who don't have that because you're like, I, I really want you to, to to know how to behave, but it's really hard to teach.
0: I was going to ask you, what has been your greatest pinch me moment? So if you've been working on a track or working on an album or been somewhere or something's happened and you've taken a step back and been like, oh my... Christ, this has actually happened, and I'm actually doing this thing that I've always wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I've got one of these, which is like, when, when I tell you, you're going to be like, yeah, like you, you can. I don't think you can choose anything else. Almost exactly a year ago, Craig and I went to Paris to work on a Stones record.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: The hot, the hot, this, like, start to finish, the whole thing was, like, surreal and really weird. But it was, like, first, it was really last minute, and we... Pretty much always work in this studio. Like Craig's setup is here, his desk is here, all his outboard is here, and and the and the system is like really set in stone. And you got asked to do the Stones thing, and they were like, but you need to come to Paris. And Craig was like, Why? <laughs> and like if, if it was recording, then sure, like you can you can go anywhere to record and it, every studio is different <laughs> for a reason. Like, you know, every studio has its like quirks and, and its and its pros and cons. But when you're mixing, that is like a very specific process to you. Yeah. So to mix in a different studio you have to like learn a different room and kind of like take all you I mean you don't have to but when you're when you're someone like Craig he's like he's he's been a mix of like 35 years you you want to take all your own equipment so we were like Paris like what oh, faff like kind of like that's fun but also like for god's sake and we only found out like a couple of days before we were supposed to be there I think it was like f- maybe four days before they were like we need you in Paris on Monday we were like what we were like in the middle of mixing another record and and had to like weasel our way out of it because we were like we can't not not go and do this stuff yeah you
0: can't not you can't not be involved in that that's incredible
1: yeah so so it was already last minute and and it, a big faff we had to like pack up pack up like half of this studio and put it in a van and this, someone drove it to Paris for us uh while well, we got on a nice Eurostar nah. and then Uh, And uh, it was like four, five days. No, four days, four days. That was it, four days as well. We were just like, we're packing up this whole studio for like to mix like three tracks. And yeah, so it was like really last minute. We didn't really have time to sort of get our heads around, our, our heads around the fact that we were going to Paris to work on a Stones record. And it was old Stones. It was classic Stone. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, seven, no offense to them, but it wasn't like 77 year old Mick trying to sing. It was, um, it was this record called Goats Head Soup that came out in like 1970, I want to say three, maybe four. And they were doing a reissue of it. And they wanted to include these tracks that they'd recorded at the time in the same, the same sessions as the rest of the album, but they hadn't made, they hadn't made the cut for whatever reason. And there were three of the yeah three of them that they wanted to put on this reissue, and for some reason they asked Craig to do it like I feel like when you get when when you're bound like the stones you you would assume that you have like a person that you that you've worked with for the last however long, but like maybe that person died, who knows like yeah no but like we we were always talking about this, we were like like we, it, it was like such a such a funny thing to to for him to be asked to do, like he'd never never had any contact with them before like no no vague like it's just they were just not in the same circle yeah completely all. it's
0: like it's literally like a complete outsider being like oh by the way can you do this thing and you're like but how but, yeah. but, but how like it doesn't make this sense
1: huge thing. yeah you're just like, like 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 who like it has to have come through someone i still i think we i think we still actually don't know like why he got us to do it but um yes we did like four days four days in paris mixing these stones tracks in like this really funny studio which was like a time capsule of the 90s like just really has not been updated for like 25 years in kind of a cool way kind of like someone needs to someone needs to fix this studio but it's like full it was full of like state of the art sort of like 90s digital technology that now is like so obsolete now that like the classic analog stuff is massively back in fashion. Is like, is is probably like the most sought after pieces of gear that you can have and this studio like had none of that. It just had like loads of like digital tape machines, digital effects that, that were like all the rage in the early 90s and now everyone's yeah. like those are terrible. <laughs> we had this one moment, I think like day, maybe day three after he'd sort of like warmed, warmed to us a little bit and he, like, came in every day at, like, four or five to listen and, and give notes and stuff. And this one of the day, I can't remember what song it was, but one of the days he came in and he was, like, standing in the front of the desk listening to it and did like, a, did, like, a kind of Mick dance. He's literally, like, a caricature of himself. It was so funny. So, yeah, Craig and I would just sit in the back of the room, like, this is really weird. Like, this is just really weird.
0: Yeah, that, that was a good pinch moment. That might be the best one so far. <laughs>
1: Thank yeah, you. the season,
0: I think, you, I, think you, I think you've taken it. I don't think anything can really beat that.
1: Yeah. I don't think I'm going to ever beat that. I think if someone asked me that question 50 years' time, it's going to be the same answer. I peaked when I was like 23.
0: No, definitely not. Definitely not. There, there's loads of stuff to come, I think. If if you're doing that at 23, it'll be fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see.
0: Normally I get everyone to shout out some women who are doing amazing things so do you have anyone who is female who you want to want to shout about
1: i've already talked about a load, but would always say malena she's I've, yeah i've already given you like the backstory on her but she's she is just great she she deserves a lot a lot more recognition than she's got would shout out phoebe i feel like have you done an episode with her
0: I haven't done. I'm gonna leave her for season three. So Phoebe, if you're listening to th- listening to this, you're coming. I'm gonna ask you soon. It.
1: Everyone always shouts her out though, because everyone knows her and she's just she is the best. She's just so good.
0: For anyone who doesn't know, Phoebe Fox is a very talented music photographer. If for some reason if you if you don't if you don't know who she is, you should you should have a look.
1: I feel like everyone will. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't know, there
0: might be some random person listening to this and has no idea.
1: <laughs> she just pops up everywhere though. She's like yeah, she, and, and she's just gone from, like, strength, strength to strength in the last few years. Um, yeah, completely. And she's so young. She's, like, 22, 23.
0: Yeah, I think she's a year older than me, so I think she's 22 turning 23, so she must be 23 turning 24, I think. Don't quote me on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, she's just great. Like, she, 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 she works really hard. She's just really, really good at her job. She's so good at it uh so yeah Thebes, melena within my specific industry it's hard to shout out like one specific person because i sadly i think i actually don't know that many of them like really personally but there is now like a quite like expansive community of female engineers and and mixes producers assistants whatever and we like we communicate through this like email thread and through like all these sort of like women in music events, but, but it's it has developed like a lot over the last year. So just, we haven't we haven't been able to hang out in person. Just yes, yeah, I feel I feel biased if I'm if, if I shout out just like one of these people, but um, but yeah, just all all the all the other female engineers and assistants who are who are kind of coming up through the ranks um at the moment.
0: Yeah, completely. I was gonna I was gonna definitely touch on with you in this episode how production and like this whole industry is so incredibly male dominated. So it's really nice to hear you say that there has been a shift in the last year because from the stats and I'll link some articles in the description, it is one of the industries within music that is really badly misrepresented.
1: Yeah, but it it does feel like it's changing pretty rapidly and
0: that's really good
1: yeah it is even even since i started out in the last in the last six years i feel like it's changed like beyond beyond recognition almost like i i think i was really lucky in the early days that i from the minute i walked in the door at flood studio he introduced me to this producer called katherine marks who is based at the same studio and she's like 10 10 15 years older than me so she's been in the industry for 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 a significantly longer amount of time. But she did also start quite, she had a quite quite a late start. I don't think she really got into it till she was like 20, 27, 28. And she, at least in her generation, there is literally like, you can count them on one hand, like the female, like known producer mixers. There's so, there's so few of them, but she has kind of always been in, in my like foreground. She's always been around. Like I've, I've always known, I've always known about her. I've always known what, like, what she's working on, and, I, and I've, and I've, and I've worked with her a few times. And I think having the knowledge that, like, there are women doing it is is half the battle. Like, I feel like a lot of young women who are curious about the industry are potentially like daunted by it because it looks like there aren't any women in it. Even someone like me, I've had so many press opportunities and like interviews and publicity things, for like, you know, I'm, I'm not a really successful engineer, but having, having those press opportunities and like having interviews in magazines and stuff just means that like people are made aware that there are actually a lot of women doing this. And it just like instantly makes it more accessible, makes it a lot less, you know, terrifying. Yeah. I, think I, I, I think having the knowledge that like there were women in the early days helped me just be like, I'm not alone. Even if I don't know that well, like they do exist in the next five years or so as as all the girls who are currently assistants or kind of coming through the ranks become engineers mixers, producers I think it I think those numbers are actually going to change quite significantly
0: yeah like I, I completely agree as well I think the more I read and the more Instagram accounts I see and the more posts I read and the more information I surround myself with the more it's becoming obvious that the industry is obviously still really male dominated but there's more n- noise being made yeah. by women and non-binary people yeah, exactly. so that it kind of the industry feels like it, it is shifting because that noise is being made and there are so many people celebrating the wonderful talent that isn't male even though men are also obviously great at their jobs but of, but just by shouting about everyone that isn't male means that there's more opportunity for those people to continue to grow and get bigger and eventually be in huge roles where they can offer the opportunity to more people. So it's just like that initial starting point that needs to change so that the whole thing can kind of spiral and shift.
1: You've just totally consolidated what I said into like a into like a an understandable. <laughs> like, yeah, like women in women in engineering and production have always existed. Like, they've always been around, but you just didn't hear about them. They weren't shouted about until five years ago, at, at, you know, at best. Like, yeah, historically, they've always been there, but now everyone knows about them. Yeah, completely. Probably even more so. Like, I, I feel like it is a little bit unbalanced now, like the amount of press that female engineers get versus male. But I think, you know, it's it's it kind of has to be that way until the until it levels out
0: yeah I fully agree and I think until until there's that shift that does become balanced I think then it will continue just to go steadily but I think there needs to be a louder movement of of women and non binaries so that then there is that push for the men to <laughs> does that make sense
1: yeah I, I, I think that, yeah I think that is true though but then when I when I get asked to do like an interview in in you know sound on sound or music week or like some some, some like engineering thing. I'm kind of it, it is a bit of a double edged sword. Like I do feel like I get asked to do it because I'm a woman and not because like I'm good at my job. Uh, and I don't I'm not saying like I think I'm rubbish, but it is it is hard it is like hard to separate the two things and 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 be like fully okay with the fact that I am potentially only getting asked to do these things because I'm a woman like if I was a man and, and had achieved exactly the same amount like there's no chance that I'd be I'd, that I'd be getting asked to do these interviews yeah
0: that's really interesting
1: but I think it is important to take them I think it is important to to be to to as a woman being asked to do them it, it's like sure I will do them because yeah women need to be publicized
0: yeah Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: My pleasure, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been lovely to chat about everything. I feel like we've had a really good and in-depth chat about so many avenues of the industry, but also like what you've kind of achieved and you're really young and I'm really excited because I'm like, wow, if if the Rolling Stones thing happened under the age of 30, what the hell is going to happen after that?
1: (laughs) I can't get the Beatles, that won't happen. I'm trying to think who, um, I'm going to say, I'd, I'd take an Arctic Monkeys record.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: Not going to say it's likely, but you know, we can, we can, I'll, that's, you know. Set the goal high.
0: I'm not really a big believer in affirmations and like saying all these positive things. It's not really a world that I fall into. But I have heard if you put the things that you want really ideally and you say them out loud, it makes your brain think that it is possible. So you saying that means that potentially it could happen. And if it does, I'll come back to the podcast and I'll be like, look, she said it here first. Yeah,
1: yeah, we should see. See you in 10 years. I really hope
0: you enjoyed that episode. You can find me over on Instagram at Emily emilymarcofecchio, I'm not going to try and spell it, I'm just going to leave it in the show notes. That's probably my most asked question is, how do you say my surname? If you're looking for the rest of the season, they're either viewable where you're listening to this, or if you go onto my website, which is www.emilyanna.net. Forward slash noisy women's one or noisy women's two. You'll find season one and two listed there. On those sites has the links to all of the guests I've had on so far, a bit of a blurb about what the podcast is about and all other good stuff. I hope you come back for the next episode and
1: it was lovely to have you here.